Hey, peace nicks. Thanks for listening to the Peace on Drugs podcast. If you're enjoying, don't be afraid to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps get our podcast to a larger audience. Also, go to www.thepeaceondrugs.com and subscribe to our newsletter. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Peace on Drugs Podcast. Today's guest is David Buckley. David Buckley. David Buckley, David and I, we go back a long time. I remember smoking pot in his driveway in high school, uh, his parents' house, and sitting at the dinner table, super stoned, and being asked to say uh, to say the blessing. Um, we, we had a lot of fun together growing up, and um, now him and his wife, Alicia, they own the Pied Piper Smoke and Vape Shop chain in the North Carolina mountains. There, there's been a few times where I've kind of forgot that I'm eating a bag of THC gummies, and the next thing I'm, I'm like, God dang, the whole bag's gone. Oh, shoot. <laughs> and then, yeah, that, that, yeah even, even the experienced user as I am, the edibles will still sometimes put me no. on the point where I'm like, whew, a little paranoid <laughs> right now. <laughs> I remember another time when uh, me and David and some friends, David was driving, we got in a car accident, not a bad one, uh, but we were all tripping on acid and the cop had to come and do the report for the accident and one at a time we all had to sit in the cop car and tell the story of what happened all the while we were you know, peaking on a really nice acid trip. So it was crazy, it didn't ruin the trip, we all kind of had a laugh afterwards. It's just crazy to look back at these memories, you know, we were, we were like 16 years old, you know, now, now David's a father, he owns four smoke shops in the North Carolina mountains. So we got in there and everything and I was nervous and, you know, I'm already kind of like in tears, emotional, like, oh my God, my wife could have died, the baby could have died, what's going on? Everybody was so running around, you know, okay, get this up, do this, you gotta do that, all right, go ahead, give me this. And then, um, uh, so I was panicking, just, you know, looking around and everything. And the next thing I knew, I, I heard a baby cry. You know, and I was like, who the fuck has a baby in here? I was like, who the fuck has a gun in? And it didn't, you know, it took about maybe three or four seconds to register in my head, you know, I was like, that's your kid, dude. That's your fucking kid right there, man. It's always a fun time talking with David. I really hope you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I did. Let's dive in. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs abuse. are menacing our society. Any thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours, thank you for joining us. This is the Peace on Drugs. On drugs. <laughs> yeah, man, good to see you, and uh, thanks for being on the Peace yeah, on Drugs. Yeah, of course. Of course. Ain't got Have much else to do. No football yet. So. Not football. Not till uh, one o'clock when the Cardinals destroy us. Most likely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, is Cam Newton starting today? Nah, nah. I think he'll be hopefully next week. That's crazy. He's back with us. I know. Right, before we bore people with uh, football talk, <laughs> <laughs> we're Panthers fans. If you didn't already catch that, um, how high are you on a scale of one to ten? Right now. Oh, probably about a six or so. <laughs> I'm a yeah, zero. we've I'm we've zero. had about a about a bowl or two so far today, and done a dab, and maybe a few gummies too. Word, damn, these are both indicas. Hold on, 
I was gonna I was gonna smoke a joint, but uh the indica, you know what they say about indica, put you in the ground. In the couch. In the couch. <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> yeah. What kind of indica are you smoking? <laughs> It'll kill you. Um yeah. <laughs> um I'm gonna hit this real fast. Fuck it. I'll smoke some indica. I don't mind indica. I prefer the uh, hybrids. I do too, actually. You'll get the benefits of your sativa and your indicas, which are gonna, you know, really help your cannabinoid system out even more, anyways. Yeah, exactly. Hold on, I'm gonna grab a lighter. I think. Uh, here we are. Got in the studio. I mean, I wish I could show you the studio. Um, like, uh, I, I haven't hung the thing I bought from you yet. I bought a tapestry from David's shop here, uh, Pied Piper. Um, I bought a, a 3D yeah, tapestry. Check us out. Hell yeah. We'll, and we'll get more into that. That uh, I um, All my tapestries in here are 3D, and they're the same company I bought that, you, that you're selling, and they're fucking awesome. I got the 3D glasses. So when you get oh, high... Oh, it's, it's Sunshine Joy. I think it's from Sunshine is, is Joy. It, um, yeah, I'm not, yeah I'm not they're, sure the they're a fantastic tapestry company. I love these pre-rolls, man. So, yep, they're there. So we sell a lot of pre-roll Delta Eights. Honestly, a lot of you people get, would rather just. You nice. sell these? Yes, we do. That exact <laughs> ashtray. <I> <laughs> oh man, my background is so lame. Like you're smoking a joint. You got cool shroom tapestries and shit, and I have a white wall. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Hey, you gotta buy buy some of your own tapestries, or you, you don't have to buy them, but you know, just take them with you when you leave work. I should, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're still getting getting the house renovated and shit. Or oh not yeah, renovated, but yeah, I still got crap strewn out everywhere and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that looks nice. It is nice. Um, so the uh, I was I wanted to talk about. So let's talk about the Pied Piper. That's your. That's what you do. Your 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 own uh, four locations, right? It's four locations right now. Um, uh, we're actually, we'll go over how the, the whole breakdown of business and how it started. So we opened in 2014 with the one location in Silva. By the summer of 2015, we were, we had, you know, taken off and we're doing good. We kind of had so much back stock that we realized that we could open another store with almost with the amount of, you know, back stock inventory that we've got right here. So um, uh, we looked around and everything, found a spot in Franklin that was um, uh, very, very low on rent and everything and opened up down there and started, you know, doing our thing and everything that was going right along. And um, uh, after that one took off and all that stuff started going, we decided to uh, we wanted to get in Waynesville. We originally first tried to start looking for a place to open up uh, a store in Waynesville in 2017. It took us about 12 to 14 months in that particular town to finally find something you know and we got that one opened um in the meantime while we were opening waynesville we were also moving our franklin location one door down because it was three times the space so we went ahead and moved that location and then uh after we got waynesville opened the i think we opened that in 2018 and then in last year we uh we went ahead and jumped into Asheville with the big boys out there and uh we're doing pretty good out there but uh, in the meantime, of while we were opening the Asheville location, we were also moving our Waynesville location about a mile and a half down the road to a, a bigger spot with with better rent and more more views and all that kind of stuff. And I, I personally believe one of the reasons our company is able to um, uh, survive and just keep keep our, our, our sales topping out every year and stuff is the fact that we don't stay stagnant. We'll move those stores when there's a better location. Our top selling products that we've got right now 
are we didn't even carry most of them in 2018. It's an evolving industry. If you don't stay on top of that, you know, is there, there's something Jack Welch, the CEO of um, a G, GE Corporation, said the day that you come to work and you're not innovating and thinking and trying to figure out how to make your company better, the day you come to work without that idea, that's the first day you come to work and you don't have a company. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and your industry does change and it changes rapidly. And a lot of it has to do with laws that change and also new products that change that come that sometimes come for a short time and you make money and then the laws catch up and they're not no longer on your shelves. That's true. The the way that the cannabinoid industry seems to be leaning right now a little bit does remind me a little bit of the way that the spice industry was or you know the synthetic um the difference is we never carried any of those right but what they would do is they ban one compound that was in it so they alter the formula just a hair a little bit and stuff like that well they created analogs of the yes exactly of the cannabinoids so what they would do is they'd change one little thing and they most of them came from china these uh these synthetic synthetic cannabinoids and one thing i found interesting about synthetic cannabinoids is they are a full agonist, whereas uh, THC from like Delta 9s and Delta 8s are partial agonists to your cannabinoid, cannabinoid receptors, which means partial agonist is not going to be a very, uh, it's not addictive. Like you're not going to have physical withdrawals if you quit taking it. There's no overdose. Right. Uh, synthetic cannabinoids being full agonist, there's extreme withdrawals if you quit taking suddenly. And there's also chances of overdose and death, which is not the case with traditional marijuana or well, cannabis. I haven't really ever heard of anybody overdosing on weed. I don't think ever. Not, not on cannabis, you no. Can, you can read about the problem that, yeah, those synthetics have called. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll have just, you know, some random herb like oregano or you know who knows what it is and then they'll, they'll spray that on that you know spray exactly. the, the liquid cannabinoid on it or whatever there and who knows what the hell's really in that stuff but yeah, yeah was, i mean you can see it on tv they did a special little episode about it i think it um uh it wasn't hamilton i think it was like that drugs incorporated thing or whatever and, and they just did the whole thing like following spice addicts and stuff and yeah i mean yeah it's i i've never done it we never sold it I didn't did, know did you it open? was that intense. It definitely did not look like any kind of weed high I've ever had. I, for sure. I didn't smoke. Somebody gave me one once and and I saw the not for human consumption. I didn't know anything about it. And I wasn't even a, like a pot smoker much at the time. But however, I did smoke a little pot and I had actual pot. So I was like, I don't want whatever this is. I just threw it in the trash can. I never tried it. <laughs> like, I'm going to take this and smile and everything. When you turn your back, I'll be like, does anybody want this? I, I do not want this. <laughs> yeah, I do not know what this is. And so but I, on, in hindsight, I wish I would have tried it now that I know what it was it's a synthetic cannabinoid i would have tried a very small amount i'm just curious to see what the difference is because i've heard but here's another problem depends on what analog you get the things that were sold under k2 they were not all the same analog because as china would outlaw one analog they would change a little they something. switch to another so, one right so some of them were a lot more potent than others so you might get your regular what you think is the same brand k2 and you take a drag and it's 10 times stronger than the last batch you got so and that could be where it gets dangerous and people kind of got out of their minds on it whereas regular yeah. traditional cannabis you can only get so high on and don't get me wrong edibles you can get pretty pretty high i get uncomfortably there, high there's been edibles. a few times where i've kind of forgot that i'm eating a bag of THC gummies and the next thing I'm, I'm like god dang the whole bag's gone oh shoot 
<laughs> and then yeah, that, that yeah, even even the experienced user as I am, the edibles will still sometimes put me no. on the point where I'm like, whoo, a little paranoid <laughs> right now. <laughs> and I'm guessing that happens because you're already high when you start eating the gummies. So you you're just you're in munchy mode. So you're just like oh, usually, shit. yes. <laughs> One thing I've definitely noticed too is that they'll uh and I've noticed this with the Delta 8 gummies specifically, especially these covert ones that we're selling now. They are so strong. Um, I'll I'll eat one or two and I feel a little something off of them. But an hour later, like I'll have my lunch or something. And after I eat a meal, that's when it just totally releases. And I'm like, why? Why am I so tired? My shoulders, what's going on? I was like, I guess those gummies are hitting me now. So I think that it's different. For I personally think gummies are different for different people. Like oh, yeah. I know people that they just won't eat gummies. They're like, I can't eat that, man. I hallucinate and, you know, see things. And I'm like, well, I've never, kind of gummies are you eating? <laughs> That's kind of how I am. I, if I, I can do five, no more than five milligrams. I mean, I should say I can handle 10 milligrams. After 10 milligrams, I'm way too high. And I know some people that eat a hundred and be fine. I, I just, after 10 milligrams, I am gone. Like, yeah, I've got them, uh, the little like gummy bags, little gummy Lego bears or whatever, like 20 milligrams a piece. Sometimes I catch myself eating 10 of those. I'm like, oh, wow, it was like 200 milligrams. Oh, is that Delta it, 8 or 9? That's Delta 9. <laughs> yeah, that's way, way too much. I would, I would honestly, I, I did 25 milligrams the last time and I absolutely hated it. It just it hits me so strong. It's like I, I was having this crazy trip. I was like in another dimension. It was yeah. crazy. Now, the Delta 9 gummies, when I ate those, they do seem to hit me pretty automatically i mean i'll i'll feel i'll feel those really quick a lot of people i know tell me they won't feel them they're like oh i'll eat them i won't feel anything for at least half an hour an hour and then it all all comes on like like an acid trip or something i guess yeah that's how it is for me it is different though it does well i i think i don't want to misstate these facts i could possibly not be right but i think when you actually ingest it what your metabolism system does to it is it, it it turns into a little bit of a different compound than when you actually smoke it. It is. I so don't you remember are going to get a called. little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know that. But actually. it is. It's not. It's not. It's not the same drug. Actually, when you smoke it, yeah, exactly. When you metabolize it through your gut, it becomes a slightly different and more potent um, psychoactive chemical. And um, it's the same. I mean, other drugs are all the same, right? If you uh, shoot heroin, you're getting straight heroin. If you take it through your gut, it converts it back to regular morphine. So ingested heroin isn't the same yeah. as shot up heroin. And so how, how we consume our drugs of choice. Um, not Anyway, heroin's a hard left term. We won't go there right now. <laughs> yeah. But um, it is kind of hard how to, if you are, I suppose what you would say, maybe a I was a recreational drug user, but maybe somebody who does more than smokes weed and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard because even though weed isn't what I would consider a regulated industry, I mean, you're not going to like, you know, get that one bowl pack that's like, oh man, you know, he got that shit from Jerry that, that weed killed him. Like that, yeah, that exactly. doesn't, you don't because really hear a, about that. Because you, it's a you natural drug. Because you, you hear about that with, with other drugs and stuff, you know, you, it's, it's, you, you don't, know what you're getting i mean honestly as, as crazy as it sounds if if the criminals had more regulation themselves on this type of thing and were providing a product that was maybe a little more like you knew what you were getting it'd be a, it'd be a better product than they well, could personally cut down on the overdoses but they don't want to do that though because as soon as someone dies off their product someone they hear that they're like oh i want that stuff that's, that's actually true. I read that. That's, that's the stuff that's killing people. Like, I oh, somebody want that died. Stuff. Oh, that's so crazy that people think that way. Like, that must be some good stuff. I'll just be I'm, a little more careful than that guy. It's but, um, crazy. I mean, you don't ever see anybody like you're watching the news and like blah, 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 car wreck, two people died in the fire. And you're just like, oh, man, I think I want to go try that. Yeah. Or that, <laughs> that's the car for me. That car must go fast. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, no, what you said about if, if there was more regulation for the drug dealers, and, and here's the thing, is this is happening. I was reading about in Spain. In Spain, they have de they've decriminalized all drugs. So they're not legal, but if you're a small-time drug dealer or drug user, there's no criminal pen penalties. So the people, they actually have government testing where you can submit your drugs and they will test them and tell you what's in them. And because of this, on the streets, most drugs are pure. Heroin, LSD, MDMA, it's all pure because the drug dealers know if they sell you something that's not pure, you're going to find out. Whereas that's, in this country, you won't find out. So I, sell you whatever. I had no idea that that was going on. But I mean, why not? It's you, you, You're going to have eventually it's going to have to be regulated at some type of level because the idea that we're going to stop this huge flow of illegal drugs coming into the world, not just our country, but the world. I mean, look at the cocaine problem in Europe right now. It's 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 crazy. It's It can't be stopped. It just has to be addressed. Exactly. And, and the thing is, we can decriminalize all day. And that's awesome. I think what Spain's doing is great. Part of one of the reasons why places choose to decriminalize versus legalize is that the UN, there's a, a UN policy that if you're a member of the UN, you cannot legalize drugs like cocaine and heroin. Now, granted, Switzerland's done it, but they do it on a medical level that I guess is kind of uh, a lot of these, we'll see even mayor, uh, cannabis laws in this country are in violation of the UN uh, agreement. There's we're not technically so this allowed to. Is, this is a big reason why federally we're still yes. like, oh, no, man, that's just our screwy states over there. Yep. They're not so, listening to us. <laughs> but here's the thing. The, the United States has the power. If we, if we decide to decriminalize against the UN, they will change their policies based on us. We are the I leaders believe, on these policies. Yeah, I think we hold a, a good little bit of clout in that uh, agency right there. <laughs> Definitely, and and they're the reason. We're the reason that they outlawed them in the first place. We're the reason that the whole war on drugs all across the world is happening the way it's happening. We're the reason that in places like Malaysia, their firing squads are shooting drug dealers, all because of drug policies that we started. I yeah, mean, yeah. You got you. So where were the Philippines? Where they, oh, yeah. I think Malaysia now too. Yeah, they're just like the Philippines. Yeah, that you know, Duarte, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Dur Durant or whatever. But his, I think his daughter's about to be vice president. But yeah, they they were yeah. just basically like, yeah, if you know that someone's selling drugs, kill them and tell us, and and that'll be cool. Like, yeah. Good lord, it's crazy. That, yep, and um, Trump actually uh congratulated him for his handling of the drug problem over there, and said if we had stricter laws like that here, we'd yep. have less drug I, problems. I like, remember you that. think we should shoot our citizens? For using drugs, like did that, is that a good idea? No, I think we should go the way of Spain and say, "Hey, we're going to decriminalize and we're going to um, start, you know, making it safer to use." Also, why can't I go to a, a rave or go to an electric dance concert or a forest or festival and eat MDMA and have a great time? Why is that illegal? But I can go to a Leonard Skinner concert and get blind drunk, and then, you know, it's just. How, yeah. it's, it's, which is way more dangerous than all of a sudden I get behind the wheel and I kill somebody, which. Don't get me wrong. It's illegal to drink and drive, but the drug itself is not illegal. And how many people do MDMA and then get behind the wheel and do something crazy? I mean, it's just not as dangerous of a drug. As crazy as this might sound, and it's, I mean, nobody's going to be like, you can't do that. But it's because um, uh, they, they, the drug industry, the illegal drug industry in particular, never tried to do anything with positive public marketing. Look what the alcohol industry did. The cigarette industry even had doctors promoting camels you know camel the number one cigarette smoked by doctors yeah doctors they, were prescribed they infiltrated the media in a way to to sway the public on their side whereas on on the other side with the drugs the media was infiltrated by the government to sway, sway the public's you know reasoning reasoning 
the other oh, way. It was all anti-drug propaganda and all so, of television and shows like Fresh Prince, City by the Bell. For, for drugs. So drugs, you know, I mean, you read with the cocaine, everything is all underground and everything. Enter the pharmaceutical companies. Now you have people who are marketing these drugs. And all of a sudden you got an opioid problem because Oxycontin was deemed to be, you know, less than 1% addictive to anybody who takes it. And everybody knows that, holy crap, that's fucking so wrong. It is. So I'm watching that dope sick right now. And oh, I was about to say. It's yeah, fresh in my mind, man. Yeah, that, <laughs> I'm so mad show. that there's no more episodes to Wednesday. That's, I'm, I'm actually not up. all caught up. I just started. Somebody told me about it. I was on the, my road trip to when I came and saw you in Savannah. There was this doctor that was staying there with his family, and we started talking about addiction. And he's like, you got to watch Dope Sick. And I was like, what's that? I was like, how do you not know what this is if you're doing an opioid crisis special? I, <laughs> I've not heard anything about it. So, yeah, I started watching it then. It's really good. It's good, man. Michael Keaton kills it. Yeah, he's great. I mean, it, it's so real. It's so because, I mean, this Oxycontin was introduced really in like 1998, 99. I mean, I, I knew about it at that point. That was, I think, the first year that Force View opened. I was in 10th grade. I remember, I won't say no names or anything, but I remember somebody coming up and showing me a whole bunch of pills that said OC on one side, 20 on the other. And I was yep, like, what's were, that? I loved those. They were like, <laughs> they were like, lie. I'm not sure. I think these are like fake ecstasy pills or something. And I said, well, I don't want fake ecstasy pills. I'm sorry. I don't want any, <laughs> I, I'm not interested in, in, in what you're showing me right now. Cause this dude wasn't somebody you might not trust all the time anyways, but uh, I'm like, I think I know like, you're no, talking no, about. No, I, I, I took one you know, the fantastic blah, blah, blah. Just, you got to do this. You got to do it. So he gave me one. And then after school, um, uh, I was with somebody in my Jeep and stuff and I showed it to them and they were like, Oh no, man, that's like a Percocet or a hydrocodone, but it's just way stronger. And I was like, well, that's cool. Cause I, I do like opioids. I was like, well, uh, I was like, I'll split it with you. Then, you know, I was like, well, I'll cut it in half and, and give you half of it. And that's when they were like, told me, they were like, no, I'm going to show you how to suck the coating off of it we'll just crush it up in each snort a line or whatever. And I was like, all right, that's, that's what you do. Let's do it. And I remember we did it. I'll, I'll never forget that first time doing OC. It was just like, well, I did, I did throw up kind of about like immediately, like five minutes afterwards. I was like, oh, really? so good. I threw up. But after that, come on, man, you can't, you can't put that out there legally like that. It's, it's just too that. crazy. Well, and I mean, eventually it got to the point to where like, I mean, I knew, certain doc, you know i go to the doctors all oh, my back hurts he's like oh, okay and that okay dot 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 and they're really wouldn't, he wouldn't really say anything else it was basically kind of an incognito of like what do you want tell me what you want and i will prescribe it to you if you just say the word it was so crazy how lenient they were with their prescription i mean i i, I mean all the time just like a toothache like here's vicodin and now it's the opposite. They're so strict because they, they shut down on it that if you actually have legitimate pain, now you can't even get a prescription. It's crazy. I can give you a prime example of that. Back in 2012, I went and got two of my wisdom teeth pulled and they wrote me a script for 40 10 milligram Percocets. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. So, um, uh, I mean, obviously I didn't, you know, complain or say, what are you doing? You're over. <laughs> I just smiled and took the fucking script. But I'm um, a, uh, Alicia, my wife, she went and got um, uh, one of her wisdom teeth pulled, I think it was about two weeks ago. And um, uh, they wouldn't give her nothing. They didn't give her any. They wouldn't even give her Tylenol 3. They said, we, they said we're going to give you, uh, they gave her 800 milligram Motrin or, or ibuprofen or whatever. Yeah. And we're just kind of like, they told her, they said, our dentist's office doesn't believe in prescribing opioids. We don't do that. 
And it got me thinking a little bit, like, well, what if someone's getting a root canal? (laughs) You know, in a certain situation where you have somebody, you know, put back and you're literally like ripping the root of their nerve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll know Kenya. But I mean, it was it was interesting to see because, you know, she came home and got the motion and all that stuff. And we got she had to go get that filled. We were laughing about it, too. It's like, well, they can't prescribe opioids. They're like, here's an 800 milligram motion. Like you yeah. can't just take four of the little ones you you have at the house there. No, every time they every time I've been given a prescription for ibuprofen, I just throw it in the trash. I'm like, I'll just go buy it at Target. Like it does for a lot cheaper than, yeah. than what yeah, you guys want to want to get me here. Which is something that I would like to figure out how to work. And I'll probably throw up again how how the how the insurance and the medical companies are are However, they, well, they work their finances together. Yeah, I don't know a lot about it. I know that something like there is a thing like when you go when you get your bill from the doctor or the dentist and it says I it was eight hundred dollars. The insurance company took care of six hundred. You owe two hundred. Well, the insurance company didn't actually pay six hundred dollars. They negotiate a lesser price. So you think your insurance company just shelled out six hundred? They shelled out say three hundred, and the the other part was a part of a discount they receive that you wouldn't receive if you were yeah. paying out of pocket. It's, it's all a bunch of bullshit. But um, which like well, we had our. Uh our second child, we had, we were on the, the Obamacare plan, AC, you know, the, the good, 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 good insurance and all that, but on our own business and everything, we didn't get no subsidiaries. So, I mean, it was kind of like, wow, this is massively expensive just to be able to, to have the kid and everything. Well, we had some credit card fraudulent activity. So I had to switch our cards and the payment was set up on automatic draft off the card. I didn't notice we'd missed the payment until 25 days afterwards. So I called him and said, oh, God, I'm sorry. Let me make that late payment and I'll go ahead and make next month's payment, too. We'll just get y'all taken care of. They said in the state of North Carolina, Blue Cross Blue Shield, if you don't make the payment after 25 days, automatically you're canceled. Your insurance is dead. So I said, well, that sucks. Let me go ahead and re-enroll. And they said, well, sir, it's March. You can't re-enroll. Until November, right? Or December. I said, well, my my wife's going to have a baby in May. The only reason I got on this plan back in, you know, November, December was to make sure that she'd be covered for this. We didn't have to pay a whole lot of money and everything. It wasn't absolutely nothing they would do. They would not take us back no matter what. So we went and looked at a whole bunch of other insurance plans that were off of the marketplace. None of them would cover pregnancy, not a single one of them. So we had to basically play insurance provider with the health care people because we paid out of pocket for the entire pregnancy. That's crazy. The thing about that, we ended up getting more than a 65% discount. If you take the premium that we would have paid for the Obamacare plan, for the amount of time that she would have been on it, and you take the amount of the deductible we would have had to pay and the amount of money that we still would have paid with the pregnancy, even on the Obamacare plan, it came out that out of pocket, we maybe ended up paying a few hundred more. You yeah. Know, I mean, it was more, which I'm, I'm not happy about, but, you know, to, to just to actually see like, wow, we paid out of pocket for this and that insurance really wasn't going to save when, when you add all the costs of right, everything right. in, you know, the deductible, the your premium, your plan, all that stuff. It, it really, it, it comes out to, and so, they, so they, they and going, that hospital going to get $20,000 for that kid one way or another. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, it's and this was for your second, this is for your second. Yeah. Child. This is for the, for the second. So let's, what, this is crazy. I grew up with you and you're, you're a dad now. And that's just, it's gotta be know, a right? crazy feeling. Like just like people that people that knew me in high school and stuff is like, wait a minute, he's a dad. Like I'm going to pray for his kids. <laughs> 
Yeah. So what, what's that like? What's that like, that feeling knowing that there's a, a whole nother life that you are responsible it's for? It's crazy, man. I remember when I first found out that we was pre- I remember it totally exactly. It was the year we went to the Super Bowl, as a matter of fact, 2015, because we had the kid in 16. And it was the Sunday that we were playing Seattle in the playoffs. We had the pregnancy test and everything. <laughs> and I wouldn't let Alicia do it till the game was over. I was like, I, I, just, I, need, I, I can't focus. I can't know what's happening with that. Just let me watch this game. When this game's over, we'll find out. And um, uh, so she didn't tell me, but she went, you know, she went in there and everything after the game stuff and, and you know, came out, was just smiling and everything and cheesing and had the thing in her hand. Even though I knew before she even showed me, I was like, oh, yes. And uh, the immediate thought and feeling that went through me was was pure joy and excitement and I wonder if it's a girl it's gonna be a boy which all the names of this and the very second thought and immediate feeling that went through me was like I'm gonna go to the airport and get on a plane and fly to Mexico (laughs) holy shit yeah it was a lot of emotions for sure but yeah man after you had we had the kid I remember being in the room like uh it was it was crazy. Bless her heart. My wife's such a strong fucking woman. She was in labor for 54 hours. What? That is wow. a long time. Yeah, they wanted to do induction and things like that. So we went in Thursday, at like seven at night. They tried to start the induction. Long story short, Saturday at about midnight, after I got extremely rough with the nurses and told them, you're going to call the doctor back out here to check on my wife. She's in pain. The epidural is not working. Something's wrong. I know natural instinct, bad alarm going off here. Something's wrong. Doctor ends up coming back out there at 1230 in the morning. You know, all right, fucking woke me up. What's happening? He does the test and everything's like, yes, for some reason, her epidural is not working. She's feeling everything. And the umbilical cords wrapped around the baby's neck. We think it's cutting off the oxygen supply. We've got to get that baby out now. We're doing an emergency C-section. Everybody in the operating room. I was scared to death. Alicia was just like, I don't give a fuck what y'all have to do to stop this. Cut me open. Cut my head off, dude. You know, at this point, whatever we got to go, whatever we got to do. So we got in there and everything, and I was nervous, and you know, I'm already kind of like in tears, emotional, like, oh my God, is my wife gonna die, is the baby gonna die, what's going on? Everybody was so running around, you know, okay, get this up, do this, we gotta do that. All right, go ahead, give me this. And then um, uh, so I was panicking, just you know, looking around and everything. And the next thing I knew, I, I heard a baby cry, you know, and I was like, Who the fuck has a baby in here? I was like, Who the fuck has a gun? And it didn't, you know, it took about maybe three or four seconds to register in my head, you know, I was like. That's your kid, dude. That's your <laughs> fucking kid right there, man. And oh yeah, man. I, I've never felt any any type of drug that moved my uh, emotional, physical, mental state of being. It puts you in in some kind of of just like numb state of excitement. I, it's hard to describe. The same thing happened with the second one too. <laughs> yeah, but it's so- awesome. It's changed my life a lot. I've definitely tried to be more responsible, which I succeed at a lot of times. And sometimes I fail at, you know, it's, well, you were already pretty responsible about that. I will say, I will say out of all the substances I used to do and things like that, like I'm a pothead, I'm going to smoke weed the rest of my life. Do I use it as a medicine? Yes. Am I one of those people that's going to go out there with a sign, like, give me my medicine. You're taking the medicine away and everything. Like, no, I'm not. Because like a lot of, I also fucking love to smoke weed. So I know I'm in, I would do this if it re- helped me. If this gave me no medical benefits at all, I would still smoke the shit out of this because I like the way it makes me feel. Well, it levels you out, but it's also a recreational thing. Like I think alcohol is that way for people, right? They use it recreationally, but it also levels them out. The difference is alcohol doesn't constantly help you. It also has moments of bringing you down and making it you feel does. guilt and making and you have hungover. That is the one substance I will say that 
it's like i i mean obviously illegal drugs you know opiates cocaine and shit like that i just i really don't don't mess with i got kids i don't seek that out and everything i mean maybe you know if if i'm at a bar hanging out having a beer you know somebody's like oh i got a codeine pill you know i mean that's that's one that's the pot you know maybe you you even have to be careful about that now because there's fentanyl and fake in everything man so if i'm at a bar on the damn weed now i know i say if only way i would ever do painkillers now is if a doctor prescribed it to me and i and I, and again if you're if you're want to use painkillers I, I tell people buy the fentanyl test strips on amazon yeah. and test your product yeah they're cheap just to be safe yeah, public services announcement if you like opioids and you do them i mean this podcast is all about that so we obviously don't judge but yeah test your shit safe. nowadays yeah. guys it's scary in this country because we don't do we're not doing anything about it anyway though back to the subject so your dad now you got your places in the mountains which is so cool you got four locations. Um, and I wanted to ask you about the, the phrase head shop. I don't know if we talked about this last time. Is that phrase simply just pothead? Is that where that comes from? Like head it, shop? I, I think that some of it comes from there. But the, the main thing that I think where it comes from, and I, I could be wrong about this, but with the, the, the hippie culture and the head shops growing out of the hippie culture there. Sorry, I kind of tripped over my words. I think it comes from deadheads. Oh, they would call oh, it a head, head shop, shop because you that used to sense. be able to go to the head shop and they would have all your dead stuff for your tour van, your buttons, your tapestries. That's, that's you know. so spot. Yeah, and that's why they still today have evolved. all kind of Grateful Dead stuff. Every exactly, we to. have a big selection of Grateful Dead stuff in our store, and it sells really, really well. <laughs> that's I didn't. I, Everybody that's so I knew it was going to be something so just obvious that I didn't think about, but that's definitely what it is. Um, some some of think, the younger kids don't even know who Jerry is, and. It's so funny, man. You know what you need to do? You need to carry. One of them bought the poster, and I was just like, oh, you you, you like that poster, huh? So I love the way he's doing his hair and everything. It, just, it was like a tie-dye one, and it had his hair all out, and it was really cool and everything. And the guy's just like, yeah, man, I know it's kind of morbid, but I just love Charles Manson. Yeah, that's very <laughs> As morbid. As he was he buying had... the Jerry Garcia poster. Oh, oh! I got you. You thought, you thought that was Charles Manson. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. Jerry, uh, those completely two different guys. I mean, their yeah. lives are just not at all in line with what they not really in. not really at all i mean they did both try to make it in the music industry at one time one of them did one of them didn't and i think you killed a lot of people because <laughs> exactly yep. um you don't play my music no, right, what, what you should else. do at, at your head shops is you should uh you should sell the book one book that you should sell is electric kool-aid acid test yes i read it, that and that tells the whole story of the grateful dead and their whole movement coming out of san francisco when they would they would do these acid parties and kids would just show up the grateful dead would play and the, and the cool thing was what was his name um owsley owsley was one of the yes. biggest lsd producers in the country and he was the grateful dead sound guy and so he would have all this pure lsd and people would come watch the grateful dead and when the record labels or whoever would be like y'all need to go on tour they were like no these acid tests are too important we're not going on tour we're going to stay here in san francisco and play have, parties have you ever done any research about the uh i want to say it was the the merry pranksters yeah the merry pranksters yeah yeah they, that was taking these such group a of people movement. Give me one second, man. My TV just turned on in the other room for some reason. It is loud. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> yeah, so anybody still listen to me? Me and Buckley go back to high school. We used to ride around and just blaze out his Jeep and just get so high. Sometimes we'd all roll oh. our own blunts. All right. Um, I'm back. Yeah, so I was just telling the story. about how, in the Jeep? Yeah, but we used to blaze that out at Moe we literally ripped the the back of the front seat down so we had a rolling a tray. rolling table <laughs> that's right 
That's that crazy. was it the entire I remember uh yeah man that, that Jeep that Jeep was something. You should was, get another was, one of those just to have around. Oh no. Again, my lovely wife, um uh, I think it was for my 28th, 29th birthday. She found the exact replica, same color and everything, same year, 1987, two-door Jeep Cherokee Laredo Brown. And she was like, yeah, it was for sale for 450 bucks and it ran, so I just bought it for you. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And that I, man, super I, yeah, awesome. I fixed that thing up and yeah, I fucking love that damn thing. I think I drove out to uh, drove out to boardwalks a few times in it. That's awesome. Hell yeah. I do not have that anymore. It didn't last very long. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we're talking about the Merry Pranksters, but um, oh no, I wanted to ask you about the head shops in Gastonia. Cause remember when we I, if I remember correctly. When we first started hanging out, because you and I started hanging out, I believe you were, how old are you right now? Are you 39? 39, yeah. And when did you turn 39? Holy shit, I just did in <laughs> September. Oh my God, it's coming. Yeah, because I'll yeah, be 39 Four hours next week. No, yeah, ain't got too many wrinkles yet. He's still looking young. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we started hanging out. I think, I believe I was 15 and you were 16, but like we're, we're it was. almost well, I think we'd actually kind of met a little bit before that. The first at time the I ever met or saw you was at church with the... Yeah. That's the North people, Carolina people thing. there and stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were skateboarding yeah, that's at uh, Greer. Not that we actually stayed for the church. It was more of a like, I can go here and then sneak around back and skateboard and smoke cigarettes. Yeah, so we, we uh, dropped off for you YouTube and not go. And you were playing on a, oh God, what was the song? It's Glycerine by Bush. I, I oh, remember I hate very, that. Very, yeah, I remember coming in and just just remember and be like, "Who's that guy?" I'm like, "Oh, he's playing Bush." Oh, you know who Bush is? Oh, that's cool. He's probably cool. Because that, <laughs> well, that was a big thing for both of us. I think growing up too. I mean, experiment with substance and everything, but music. I mean, m- oh, music definitely. Still yeah, huge that, for me. Yeah, yeah. You play guitar. You still play guitar. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I try every morning. I get up. I try to. If the kids aren't up or whatever, you know, there's no laundry or dishes anywhere, you know, that man in the morning, 10 minutes on the acoustic, that's, that's good for the soul. I firmly believe that. <laughs> I agree. Um, but yeah, so when we first started hanging and we started smoking together, I don't think there was a head shop in, uh, in Gastonia at the time. There wasn't. If I recall correctly, we had to go to Charlotte to either Infinity's Inn, Infinity's or Inn yeah. et cetera. Yep. And then. Smoker's Edge, I believe, was it? Was that what? Yes. Smoke, yep. Smoker's Edge. Now, and that that was a that was a good headshot. Yeah, to, but I remember to, you had to walk through like a yeah. They ID'd you at the front, and then you had to go through like a curtain to get into the back with a pipe. Yeah, part. it was like it was like the way uh, they'll do that. They do that in uh, dispensaries out in Colorado. They'll have a yep. waiting room. Uh, I think yep. you got a limit on how many people can actually be in on the floor. Yeah, and then they just they got armed guards walking around everywhere. Some some of them were a little scary. I'm like, man, there's literally a guy with like a SKS. That's crazy. Standing at your door. I've went to some of the smaller towns in Colorado, like in Glenwood Springs, and like you just walk into a counter and they just pull out a jar full of buds. Like, so it probably depends on the dispensary, the location. That makes where... sense, actually. So we were in Denver. Yeah, so, yeah I've only bigger. been to one in Denver, um, but because when we went to Denver, we actually were going to Aspen, so we just went to Denver, drove straight to Aspen, went to some dispensaries there. Um, but. I, I, but the weird one was Chicago. I went to Chicago recently and I was like, oh, they got legal bud here now. So I went to a place and they were like, all right, you got to, in the waiting room is where you order your bud. You can't smell it, look at it or anything. You got to go on an iPad, pick out what you want. And then they let you in to pay for it. And then once you pay for it, they bring it in a bag and they, they send you out the back door. You can't even come back in the way you came in. It's like some weird thing. It's like, well, that's crazy. That's yeah, not that much different than just like calling you man nowadays. 
Hey, man, you got some? Yeah, I got it. All right, I've seen a little bit. Well, no, I hope that, that shit's that, good. Hold on. That was Washington, D.C. Now, when I went to D.C., I was like, oh, I heard they got weed here. Well, so I, I go to one of the places. They're like, yeah, you have to have a card. You have to be a, a Washington, D.C. resident. I was like, oh, son of a bitch. So I went to the bar next door. And I was telling him, I was like, man, I thought y'all had weed here. And it's like, they won't sell it to me. He goes, oh, you just got to call a delivery service, man. They don't give a shit. I was like, what? So I looked it up. I called the delivery service. He's like, all right, man, uh, where you at? And I was like, I'm at this bar. He's like, what, you, what are you wearing? And I told him what I was wearing. He's like, I'll be there in 20. And I was like, all right. So I sat outside with my beer and this dude just shows up walking with the brown paper bag, sets it on the table. He goes, yo, that's free, man. But I need a $60 donation. I was like, all right. And I gave him 60 bucks and he just left. I was like, and I opened the bag up. There was a fucking eighth of weed in there. I was like, that was the weirdest thing because it's decriminalized. Be like, it's wait, not legal. So, be like, dude, be like, you're not fucking legal, man. You've been doing this for 10 years this exact same way. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm taking donations now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They said some of the shops there, they'll actually sell, they'll, they'll give you a free shirt, but you have to give a six. No, no, you buy a $60 shirt. You get a free eighth of weed. But the idea is that we're selling weed, not shirts here. You know, this is the loophole. Well, I like the donation idea now. I mean, you can write that off, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write my weed off. Write my weed off. Because, yes, that's actually a good point. Um, uh, but no, so the, it's I a little bit story. different than consumptions. I was trying to I was talking to my accountant yeah. about that. She's like, so you're thinking of going out west again, huh? I was like, yeah. She was like, there, there are certain things you can't write off. I said, yeah, I, I know, I know. She's like, no, don't go, don't go out there thinking you're gonna just be able to pay for everything on the business dime. She said, I mean, you can't go out there and buy a pound of weed and bring it back here. I was like, well, I can't do that anyways, David. That's illegal. But I can smoke it while I'm out do, there. If I'm gonna do that, I'm not gonna write it off. Be like, oh, here's my illegal purchase. You know, twenty eight hundred dollars or whatever. The proof of what I just did. Um, yes. No. So in, when I was in D.C., so then I um. The, the next day I woke up, I had most of the eighth left because I was only there for two nights. And so on the third morning I woke up, I was, I missed my flight. So me and Rayburn stayed up super late. And so I met, I woke up, I was like, I missed my flight. Holy shit. So I called, I got a new flight, but not, not till like 6 PM. So Rayburn's like, I'm out of here. I got to catch my flight. I was like, peace. I'm stuck here till six now. So I had like half of that eighth left. Like I'm just going to get high. So now I know you listen to these Rayburn. I fucking miss you, bro. <laughs> shout out, shout out to that guy. Shout out to burn. Shit. Um, so i put the i didn't know i put the weed in my but i because we had to check out of the of the airbnb so i threw all my shit in my bag threw the pot in the top of my bag and i left and i was like you know what? I'm, i got till six i'm gonna go check out some museums so i went to the smithsonian i walk in they're like open up your bag i don't think anything about it i open up my bag he's like what's that i was like that's marijuana <laughs> he's like you up you can't have that he goes you can't have that you're going to jail i was like what and like oh. he's like seriously dude he's like you're fucked I was like, I this I bought this like from a guy on Google. I thought it was legal here. He's like, my, my so he calls his boss over, and his boss comes over. He goes, "What what is that?" And I was like, I, "I thought this was legal." He goes, "Are you out of your mind?" And I was like, "I bought it from a place." And he's like, "He's like you're he's like today's your lucky day because I do not have time for this shit. I'm dealing with something else. Get the fuck out of here." And that's what he said to me, like straight up cussing at me. I was like, "I'm out," and I just left. <laughs> I immediately got one of those little rented those, those Uber scooters. I, you know, I, I down got the app. I was like, boom, it's on. I took off, went down the road, like shaking. I was like, oh my God, I almost just missed my flight and then went to jail. So wow. first bar I went to, I just went in the bar. I, I walked in. Fucking shot. You can have this weed. <laughs> well, so I, and I, I took off my bag when I got to the bar and I realized that I didn't close it. It was still wide open. Everything was still there and the pot was still there. They didn't take it or anything. I was like, holy shit. So I looked at the bartender. I was like, hey, do you, do you smoke? 
no. And I was like, hey, do you smoke? And the bartender was like, yeah. I was like, this is yours, man. I was like, I'm done. I just want to get on my flight and go home. <laughs> Your like, town's trying to indict me, goddammit. <laughs> it's a fucking trap. Oh, I wonder what that cop thought when you were just like, I just called this dude on Google. He's like, are you sure you weren't in your phone contacts? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what Google is? I've heard the Google story before, yeah, sir. He had to know. See, the thing I didn't consider is that the Smithsonian is a federal building. So those cops were federal cops and it's not oh, federally yeah. legal. And that's the thing is if it was a DC cop, it is. Yeah, I wonder if they could have charged you federally. That's, I guess it would have been a felon. I don't know if it would be a felony, but it would have been a federal misdemeanor. If that's It'd a been thing. a federal. Mi- yeah, yeah. I don't know. Fuck. All yeah. because fucking American Airlines can't get their shit straight. Well, I guess maybe you missed the flight, but still, and that's that's crazy. I, to me. I missed the flight. That was the for a little. I mean, just to be like, you can't just be like, oh, you got some weed, huh? Be like, yeah. Be like, well, you can't bring that in here, and if you're not a resident here, you're really not supposed to have it. So you know, why don't you go visit another museum? Yeah, you know, it could be cool. Like, 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 really, you you go spend taxpayer dollars to put this man in handcuffs to go. Put him in here, and all the reason you didn't do it is because you got somebody else that you're more pissed off at right now. Who knows, that you wanna... Yeah, who knows what they did? Is it a violent offender, or does somebody else have a, have cocaine, which is more important? I mean, who knows? Probably somebody was acting up or something. I don't know, but um, yeah. it's just it's you're right. It's ridiculous the idea that somebody that still today someone can get arrested for pot. Oh, which brings me to something. Uh, North Carolina, you guys still haven't done anything for yep. medical. But I, I, there's a, a supposedly thing. supposedly there's a bill um in 2022 that's supposed to go you know get voted on, but I was reading it and it's kind of a shit bill. It's like you're gonna have medical marijuana for only very strict like it has to be like cancer, epilepsy, like um a PTSD is the only PTSD yeah. is the only one that 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 people could some people can get a diagnosis. I was able to get a diagnosis. The reason that they've thrown PTSD in there is because the bill is getting back really hard by the Veterans Affairs of America, the, you sense. know, of foreign wars. And there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of diseases and things that it doesn't cover at all. But PTSD is one that most all those people, they say, I got PTSD. They say, why? They say, I was, you know, I was overseas. Yeah. No one's going to question that. I don't think we need to ask, well, what happened over there? What made you get PTSD? Yeah. Like, well, I was in a war, motherfucker. Yeah. And and also, if, yeah, and it helps them. They've, these drugs clearly help people with PTSD. And the fact that they that it has to be voted on in 2022, like, give them the fucking weed. Like, they were, over, they were over there fighting your bullshit war. They got traumatized. And they just want to get high. And you're saying they're going to go to jail until we pass this, until we pass this legislation, hold off on getting high. No. And, and that's not going to happen either. Yeah, they're smoking. Like, yeah. Believe me, this, <laughs> I personally think it's probably easier to get weed in America than it is to buy vapes under age right now. I've really, at least in our store, man, that's, Oh, that's a, that, that's, there's a huge movement in the, in the industry right now, you know, to like almost like if, if you're one of those stores selling underage people or if you're still haven't gone from 18 to 21, you know, fuck you, man, get on board, get on board. You're the reason that they're look they're, that they got us under the microscope. right? Yeah. And then they're going to outlaw it for adults like me. I don't say I don't even have kids and, and they're going to say because of the kids, you can't vape. Well, I'm 38 years old. Why can't I do what the yeah, fuck I want to do? Well, the kids are doing it. Well, Tell them to stop, raise them better, to get the iPad out of their hands. Exactly. And the fact is, none of that's going to happen because all these kids, I mean, me and you started smoking cigarettes, a cigarette, a cigarette. It doesn't taste like strawberries or candy or cotton candy or fucking gummy <laughs> bears or anything like that. We loved them. 
Yeah, loved them to death. <laughs> but and, and, no, and nobody was raising first or anything. But this, that buzz. It's they weren't a, raising hell about that though. Back when we smoked, they were like, "Oh, the kids are smoking cigarettes. Outlaw them. Cigarettes are way worse." So my thing is, like, the, the kids are raping. <laughs> they were making fucking songs about it, smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> 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 so they were. Doctors were promoting it. They were making songs about it. Yep. It was it, in the '60s. It was look. It was classy. It was looked at as a classy thing to do. You know. Exactly. And now what they're doing is places like Walgreens have stopped selling vapes altogether, but they still sell cigarettes. I'm like, you're not getting it. I don't think because it's like one thing is clearly worse. And if anybody like say me, if I'm, if you see me out in public and I'm vaping, that is one less cigarette you have to smell because if it wasn't this, it was going to be a cigarette and it stinks. Everybody hates the smell around them. And also it causes cancer and all these other problems. I'm sure that vapes are going to come out that, you know, probably contributes to heart disease and things. Like I'm that. sure it the does. Because the, the, the nicotine, but not as bad as this, of the tar no, of actual Not at smoke. all. I personally know from, from, I smoked 19 years and I haven't had a cigarette in almost eight, nine years now, you know? And I mean, I can run a mile if I want to. I get up, play with my kids. I don't wake up in the morning <laughs> coughing up. Oh, yeah, I cough morning. every morning bad. Like, oh, man, it was so bad. And, and it, none of that happens with the vapes. Are they healthy for me? Fuck, probably no. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely, they're definitely not healthy. Yeah. The question is, is how unhealthy but are they? Because but, I do like nicotine. And there are a few studies out there that say that, you know, nicotine actually is healthy for the body. But I'm imagining that that would depend on how much you're putting in your body and how you're delivering it to your system. Some of it might be because it's a stimulant. There might be some positive benefits. But I do know. It's not good for your heart and it, and it constricts your blood, your vascular system. That's, that's so, definite. So, and that again, probably depends on how much you do. If you're an occasional and, and I, I don't do it all the time. I, I, when I, when I drink is when I do it. And, uh, but I usually have a few beers every day and I vape when I'm having those beers. Cause I used to, used to be cigarettes. As soon as I had my first mm-hmm. beer cigarette, but I never woke up. I was never the wake up and light a cigarette where I don't, you might've been, but I, I never could have no, one. No, that was not, no, I yeah. usually couldn't even smoke a cigarette until I'm eating breakfast. At least I couldn't stand smoking before I ate for some reason. It, it wasn't a, now I know people like that. Alicia was like that. Definitely. She wake yeah. up I me mean, a lot, a lot of times that this cigarette be lit. She wake up in the bed, you know, oh, like, yeah. like the smoke. I was like, damn, that's crazy. I can't do that. Oh, yeah, Meg would wake up and have one. I remember when I when Matt, me and Matt were roommates, he would he would wake up and go to have a cigarette and then go back to bed. Like he had just had to go have a cigarette. It's like that's crazy to me. I like, can't even like just stay in bed. And when you're finally up, then maybe we want to talk. But I, I wouldn't have. I, I don't know. I always had stomach issues in the morning with nicotine. Anyway, I feel like I'm getting people are gonna be like, "Told me more about the cigarettes." No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I want to start to the North Carolina laws. Nothing's happening there. I was curious. Do you at the Pied Piper? Do you guys do any kind of lobbying or um, or do anything to support? Le- try to advocate for legal changes, or you just kind of stay under Occas- the radar? Occasionally, I, I uh, we donate to places like Normal and, and yeah. things like that and stuff. There's um uh, there's a few places in North Carolina lobby groups and things like that. Um, I do have to be a little bit careful with that, do the research, figure out where they're coming from, because I don't want to end up donating to a group organization, my or my competition. Oh, oh, I got you, I got you. Although but, sometimes it doesn't. I'm like, well, uh, so what? This group's backed by competition. Their message needs to get out there. So you know, we well, yeah, well. We'll go ahead and do I think you and your competitors, though, would all stand to benefit if recreational uh, cannabis became a thing in North Carolina, which only I think would only happen if it went federal. That could be it, a possibility. It could go the other way, because right now there's no regulation on the deltas. We're oh. selling Delta 10, Delta so you don't think 8. That, you don't think they're, New they're York, what they that? just did, they said, OK, weed's legal. We're about to start dispensing. 
But Delta 10 and Delta A are illegal. You won't be able to sell those. Those are done. You can't sell those. So if they do that, what they did in New York with the banning of certain cannabinoids, yeah, right? Like you can get legally weed that'll get you high, but you can't get the stuff Unless that doesn't get you as high because they say we don't know the effects of this particular cannabinoid. It, it all comes down to the fact that the, the marijuana industry itself, the legal weed industry out West, does not like Delta 8. They don't. It can be sold without regulation. It's taking their profit shares. You know, they're not getting as much money because well, saw Delta, Texas 8 can be, Delta Eight can be sold at a gas station. Yeah. And weed cannot. And in California, in Colorado, I was reading a report that was saying the dispensaries are losing sales to the Delta Eight because it's people don't have to wait in line. They don't have to pay the taxes on it, which are yeah. outlandish. They don't pay. I mean, forty-eight percent in Colorado. You know. <laughs> You can go right down the road and save 48% on something that's going to get you just as close. I mean, they'll tell you, it gets me pretty good. So I'm thinking if they do like they did in Florida and they're like, okay, you know, only these specific companies are going to be allowed to dispense. And you have to have, you know, been in the agricultural industry for at least 20 years or longer if you want to manufacture. If they were to couple that law with the we're going to ban the cannabinoid substances, that would actually be, be terrible for us. Because not okay. only would we not be able to sell the now legal Delta 9 THC, we wouldn't be able to sell the Delta 8 anymore either. Oh, and that right. is what they want to create out West. You know, they want it to be honest on, you know, the, the government level. They want it to be as regulated as possible so they can get as much tax revenue off of it. And Delta 8's not providing any type of tax revenue every, anywhere right now except for sales and use. Really? Well, so did, did you see what Texas just did, right? No, I believe, I believe Texas just outlawed Delta Eight completely, and they didn't do any legal. Did they? I've, well, it's it's outlawed. I in, I it's heard outlawed that. in about twenty-one states already. Actually, but the states it's outlawed, and you're saying most of them have cannabis, though. I think some of them. Uh, some of them do. Some of some of them don't. I think it's still legal in like the big ones, like California and Colorado. But there's there's a lot of states where where it's been banned. A lot of states where it's been banned is also states where kratom has been banned. Oh, like Alabama. Uh, yeah, those yeah, things, things. Because like the government, some people in the government probably don't even know there's a difference between kratom and delta eight because they didn't know there was a difference between the the THC vapes that were killing people out west and um, uh, you know a mod with strawberry vape juice in it. Yeah, yeah, I thought, I thought it was the same thing. Do you think uh, kratom is a, a substance that we should worry about with addiction, or do you think it's um, like what was what's your take on that? It's addictive. I personally believe it's addictive. I know. I know I've, it's addictive because I've, I've tried I've had it a few times, thing. and I've definitely felt like coming down off of a drink. I felt that, like you know, I want another drink. I want to do that again. And um, uh, I've even uh, you know, we've had people come into the store who've switched to kratom off of opioids, which is great. You know, they're like, yeah, I don't use opioids anymore. They're like, but I, I can't, I can't get off this fucking kratom shit. I can't stop this. Well, I've I've got I've got addicted to kratom and I've gotten off of kratom and you, and it's pretty easy to get off of if you get the pills because you can regulate how much you're taking and then you can take one less every day and just so take the, her the off. The withdrawal is is not is nothing like an opioid. Oh, you know you're not physically sick, no throwing up or nothing. You just don't feel right. It's it's probably similar to somebody who drinks coffee a lot of coffee every day and quits. There is because okay. there is there's coffee withdrawal. I've never had coffee withdrawal, but I've read about it from Michael Pollan's book and he described it and it sounded to me like a creative withdrawal. It's like very similar. And I've heard that they're that they're very similar plants. Um, 
It's just that kratom is an opioid, actually. People don't realize that, yes. but it's a partial agonist, just like the cannabis is a partial agonist. So therefore, your, your withdrawals are going to be less. There's no chance of overdose. So my thing is, while it is addicting, I don't think the states that outlaw are doing a very big disservice for people that want opiates because it's a much safer choice than going I think to so. an illegal. I personally believe so, too. You don't get. Um, I mean, I did take like I. What, what I was told is like there's certain strands and everything like that. You know, some will make you up, some will make you down. But if you just take a little bit of it, it does seem to have more of a stimulant effect where if you take a whole lot, it seems to to, to more mimic an opioid. Like I think I mm-hmm. I was trying to see like I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to mix, you know, like like 10 grams in a drink. Like I know that's crazy, but I want to want to see what that does. And that that did put me at certain states where, you know, I was almost on a nod. Oh yeah. No, I've done, I've done about, if I do five, between five and 10 milligrams, it feels like I'm on a Percocet almost like it's, it's, it's a good feeling. It's like, I feel yeah. good, but I, but it also have a little more energy. I don't feel quite as messed up, but it does feel very similar. I feel really good, but I get energy from it. Like I, that's what I like about it. And I, I still I do, take it. Yeah. I felt the energy from it too. We went to Walmart the first time I did it. And I think I only took three or four grams maybe in a, yeah, I was running around. Alicia said, she even said she had, I had a, had Coke jaw. I said, what do you mean? She said, your jaw, you just, you just you're so tight and just keep, keep talking, dude. And I was like, really? God, I, didn't even, I went and looked in the mirror and yeah, I was like, oh man, I'm looking like a head in here. <laughs> oh, so hey, before we go, because I know we're, we're going to get off here soon so we can both have lunch and get ready to watch this Panthers game, which- Watch you know, this game and we're going to just beat the crap out of them, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to beat <sighs> one of the best teams in the league. I heard that they're a little banged up. I don't know. I haven't- I don't. I don't watch football like I used to when I was in fan, like doing. But DeAndre Hopkins stuff. and Kyler Murray were out out last okay. week. Well, uh, they mean, still won, but <laughs> you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yes. So um. So no, I did a podcast with my sister that I just released, and I'm releasing my mom's next week. Yours, yours might come out this Thursday. It might come out the following after Thanksgiving because I'm supposed to do a podcast right now. Tuesday morning, the Beckley Foundation, which is almost like the maps of uh, Britain or UK, like they're, they're psychedelic. I've, I've heard place. of them before. What do they do? I've heard they, that they, name. They do anyways. psychedelic therapy research and stuff like that for psilocybin. And um, they're there. So if I if I can get him on tomorrow, because I just did the psilocybin academy last week, then I'm going to do back to back psilocybin episodes. And then th- my nice. Thanksgiving special is my mom. Because I, oh, basically it's the first time and I did it on a podcast. I actually sit down and tell my mom. Like what happened at the trailer? That there was drugs being sold, and that when we got it was robbed, it wasn't the rent. Yeah, that like, there's when when I went to jail for the pot plant when I got robbed at gunpoint. And, you know, you were there, my sister was there. When that happened, we, we all got robbed. I think they got ten bucks out of us because the guy that yeah, sold they got drugs $5 wasn't there. You, five dollars from your sister. Yeah, and I remember they kept trying to take my chain, and I was just like, "I'm on fucking Xanax. You're gonna have to shoot me." <laughs> I remember. I remember like. Not honestly being that scared or worried in the beginning. It was shock, right? You're like, but what? Once is- Kristen come into the scene, my whole I was just like, all right, give me what they fucking want. You know, I want nobody to get hurt here. <laughs> yeah, that that was scary. My sister was crying. It was like, I mean, she was, yeah, like, that's, she was that's, terrified. That was, the whole uh, that that aggravated me and really, I mean, this, uh, I'm never gonna lie. Even after all that happened and everything, you know, I I was like, no, I don't, I don't find whoever the fuck that was, man. It was, yeah, but whatever's whatever. You know, never you did. End up getting getting in trouble with that but yeah but I, I remember that i remember all day they they bapped you with the rifle or whatever that pissed me off so goddamn bad for some reason yeah. i was like man don't fucking hit him with a gun yeah he hit don't me in the head with the with the I, I think it was ak it was a it was an assault rifle of some kind they Maybe were like was... the worst robbers in the world though they kept i mean they knew where to what room to go to obviously because they kept trying to get back yes. there and well I somebody that came and bought uh bought pot at the trailer they they 
they told that they knew there was somebody, they were friends with somebody that came and bought drugs. They said, you need to go to this place. This is who has it. But they picked the worst time because the dude who was selling wasn't there and, and didn't have, we had nothing. So like I said, they got 10 bucks. They left pissed. They like broke our mirror and then they left. Oh yeah. They broke the mirror. That's right. Well, but, um, the whole thing about that too. I'm like, you guys are like the worst robbers in the history of robbers. Like you're all trying to get back in this room and everything. You're taking $5 from a man, $5 from his sister. There's probably about $2,500 worth of music equipment right here behind us. I mean, guitars, yeah. bass, and drums, all, all kinds of things. Yeah. It's terrible. The one dude didn't even have a gun. He just had brass knuckles. Yeah, yeah. I was like, but, oh, man. Like, for, for a split second, I was just like, man, let's fucking rush him, man. Let's fuck this. All we got to do is get that gun from that one dude and just fucking over that dude. He got brass knuckles. He ain't going to do nothing. Yeah. It was, no it scary was, situation, though. It, it was scary. I mean, I, <laughs> definitely. Well, what I wanted to ask you, is do you think because everything's changing around the country with the, with the uh, cannabis laws? But do you think in places such as North Carolina, where cannabis is still illegal, that it's still a violent game, like where people are still like there are situations that happen, like happened to us, are still happening because there's not it's not regulated. I'm not sure. I don't personally know about that. I will say that yeah. I know that there was a gentleman that went to the college up here, West North Carolina University, and he did some things and things like that. And, um, uh, he graduated and everything. And, um, I heard about six months later that, um, uh, he's dead now. So he ripped from, somebody off. For, for I, I, I don't know. There wasn't, um, uh, it was, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was a violent, violent thing. So I'm not sure what happened or whatever, you know, yeah, but so I, from what I heard, I read about all, th- all that through the paper. So, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know what went down or anything, but I don't, me personally, I don't see it as being that big of, of a huge problem because what brings the violence is when you get the, the bigger drug industries, the cartels, basically, because to them, it's it's, a, it's pure money. You mess with their money, they're going to get violent. That's the way they operate, you know. But now what, you, what you're getting is it's a lot more homegrown stuff, you know, it's it's some, uh, you know, things from Colorado getting shipped over here. And, and That's what I was like wondering if, so, if even though it's not legal in North Carolina, there's again an overflow from states that do have legal cannabis and it's, it's creating a less violent atmosphere all across the board, even though it's not. It, I think it is, to be honest, I, I really do. Now, I'm not saying that I know that there's not violence associated with it. I mean, I, I especially know, you know, out in California, you know, the, the uh, was the, the Green Triangle there, Humboldt County and everything. But they did a whole show about that. I think it was National Geographic. And they followed uh, like four different growers for like about a year or two. And now, yeah, they I mean, out there, I mean, the gunfire crops getting ripped off. I mean, it, it was it was intense a little bit. Growers yeah. trying to rip off growers. You had. Out there, what it seems you had is you had illegal growers and legitimate growers, and they would they you know fight yeah. each other if if need be. So I, I think the the more that we go down the road of legalization, which unfortunately comes with regulation, but as long as the regulation can be done and be done in the right way, it's it's all the right steps to start taking the power out of the cartel hands and literally putting it back into the hands of our government, which is what they want. If our government would just realize they need to control the supply of drugs into this country, it's going to come. It is yeah. going to come. And they have they need to. to control it. And right now, the cartel has the money and the power because they're the ones who are controlling the supply. If somehow our government was able to switch that, then, then they would be the ones in control. And then the violence would, de- I mean, half, 
I can't see how the violence wouldn't go down. Not I'm saying. It, I think it, I think it would go down completely to zero if you if if all opiates and even cocaine were all sold and regulated illegal. Except and if people think that sounds crazy. It's not. If you want to do cocaine on a Friday night and that's your thing, you like to go to the bar, have some drinks, and do some bumps in the bathroom, and you had a legal source that you could get it for one, the price wouldn't be nine a hundred dollars a gram. The price yeah. would be about ten dollars a gram, and you could afford it. And It'd you be would go, cocaine, like all of it, and it would be actual <laughs> cocaine. And, and you could go to a, a doctor that would make sure you're not, uh, you know, you got your shit together. And trust me, I feel like well, people who do cocaine don't have their shit together. That's not true. I've done cocaine with surgeons and lawyers. People do cocaine. They like it. There's a reason it's a billion dollar industry. These are not poor bums who can barely afford anything. Yeah. These are people with money that want to do cocaine. It's not Wall the Street. $5 crack rocks. That yeah, are- <laughs> watch Wall Street or, you know, these like everybody was just doing all kinds of cocaine, trying to sell stocks. But anyway. If, if you legalize it, you cut off the cartel. The cartels go out of business immediately. But what the Mexican government could do is work with the cartels and move them into legitimate business because they have to do something. You can't just say, all right, now you're all going to be poor because they have a lot of guns and money. So you want them to still be employed. So, so you move them. All right, them guys, y'all are done now. Oh, you don't understand that we have an army, actually. <laughs> right. So you, lo- you move them into legitimacy. And then, you and then the- that. I don't see why you couldn't do that because, like, where does Purdue get its poppy flower for for its oxycontins and things? Yeah, you don't see that. You don't there, see the there, of- there has to be people who are producing quote unquote illegal substances for the pharmaceutical industry, who then turns them into oh, legal no, no, prescribable I they, substances. I believe they have le- they have legal poppy farms for those for those opiates specifically. But the thing is, is you don't have like the the, the um, Sackler family never sent assassins to the Johnson Johnson family to take out their, you know, because a yeah. legitimate business. They just you know, put bad press out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't you don't do that kind of thing. So what's happening in the cartels wouldn't happen if we moved them into a, a legitimate business. So yeah, that's what so definitely we're a great example of that actually is alcohol. How many people do we have killing each other over the illegal alcohol trade right now? None. Not many. How many people were killing themselves over the illegal alcohol trade in the 20s? Oh, oh yeah. fucking shit ton. Oh, yeah. That's that's where it the mob be done. came from. Yeah. So if you and that's I mean, that prohibition is the best example. And it's pretty interesting to see what's happening with cannabis now and what happened. If you look at if you go to a different state, every time you go to a different state, you have to go. What are the alcohol laws? When can I buy liquor? What time on Sunday do they start selling? Every state's different. Yep, yep. And if you go to like Pennsylvania, like you can't even buy uh, or Rhode Island, you can't buy beer at a store. You have to go to a special store to buy anything. And then if you go to Florida, you can buy you can buy liquor at Publix here. However, it has to be a separate part of the building. So you have your regular Publix and then a little side door for the little liquor. Yeah, part. when I was when I was down there, I, I saw that. I was mind blown too. I was like, they sell liquor at the grocery store. Yep. No wonder Florida's ratchet. <laughs> but that, that's all because of prohibition, right? Once we came out of prohibition, each state had to figure out how to how did they want to legally sell alcohol, and everyone came up with a little bit different rules. A lot of counties didn't legalize; it was dry. Now, Hot Springs, where I just went. It's a dry county still. However, dry doesn't no longer means no booze. It just means no liquor. So you can still do beer and wine. So all the laws are slowly changing. And now we're seeing cannabis go to Colorado, go to DC, go to Chicago. All it's you buy it all a little bit differently. And you have to, you know, there's and also the, if you're the one selling it, well, it's not federally legal. So how are you washing that money? And there's companies that make all yeah. the money washing your money. Yes, for you. IIPR, man. <laughs> I just bought some stock from that yesterday. They're not, they're not, they're not shabby, man. I'm just, I, there may be a dip on them a little bit here coming up. When we were talking about them last week, I think it was, we was having lunch. They was at like two thirty-five. So I mean, you you see that run that it, that it's it's kicking at. But man, yeah, there's 
they're just a great company. One thing that I wonder though is like, could legalization hurt their business model possibly? I think legalization is going to do strange things across the board, but I think with their business model, definitely it sounds like, I mean, if they're making their money basically by helping people uh, to get around the federal laws, once once it federally becomes legal. The greatest thing about it too, though, is that they buy the properties. They now own these properties. They're just leasing them back to the dispensary. Well, so, 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 the so then they could blow up then if, if, if legalization happens. Well, I'm stop. thinking if it's legal and they own all the properties and everything, they're just going to be like, well, well, now now we're in fucking huge ass dispensary. Exactly, exactly. So and we need that to happen. And I, I don't know if Biden's going to do anything. It was a campaign promise. Uh, like Rayburn said, he's like, he's like, oh, it's the first time you've been lied to by a politician. It's like touche. But I was counting on that one. Uh, that's one, one of the few things I liked about them at all. They were my least favorite of the of the candidates in the DNC. They became the, the you know the the nominees, and then they they won the election. And now they're our only hope for legalization. And there doesn't look like they're going to do it. I don't know. Doesn't unless, seem like it. it unless they're waiting like it, right before the election, they might do it like a political thing right before I've the wondered, election. I've wondered like that. that. I've wondered if they're not waiting for them uh, for the summer right before the midterms. To maybe try that, to boost, maybe the, boost the house and the Senate. Let's hope that happens. That would be a bit, it would be really smart. But the problem is, is that Biden really is in the pocket of Big Pharma, just like Obama was. And I don't think Big Pharma wants it. And I think he's just like, oh, we're going to legalize, get your votes. And then we're going to not talk about it again. And anytime someone brings it up, like, oh, well, we had COVID to deal with. So that was more important. It's like, yeah, but you could sign a piece of paper. You had enough time to, you know. But anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go, man. We're going to get off here. Yes, yeah, 12.07. I'm going to go. Uh, we're going to make a little lunch, and then I'm going to put this game on. But um, I feel like I covered about everything. Oh, one last little thing. So 4.20, this is a little uh, – I, I think I want to do this. You're going to put together something to do for 4.20. Me and Meg want to come up and, and play some music at it, and um, and maybe you and I can do a live podcast and, you know – Give away like uh some like I'll buy a few pipes from you and give them away from the you know from, give that, from yes, some uh, we, podcast. We do want to do something big for 420 this year. I'm not sure what store we would do it at. Maybe Waynesville got a nice big parking lot there and stuff. Whatever but you I was think. thinking like I'd love to get a food truck, see if I can find a get a food truck out there, you know, and maybe uh some of the local breweries be like, yo, come set set up your little beer tent out in the parking lot. That would be I sick. Just, I, I just have to get a 24 hour permit. I don't think it'd be too hard. Now, can you legally smoke Delta Eight like in an event like that? yes i think so um <laughs> i i don't here in western north carolina i mean i and actually yeah, some, some cops probably aren't going to say anything some some cops might i mean there is a big movement up here especially in the police force i think one county up here has even been told by their sheriff if it's some um, uh less than a half ounce of marijuana don't even uh don't even write them a ticket don't even prosecute them take it from them but don't prosecute them well, now, what if it's Delta 8? Because they, they can't, you can't prove that it's Delta 8 until they test it in a lab. Can they take your Delta 8 from you? That all depends on how cool the cop is. I mean, everything could. that we sell in the packaging, some of our packaging even has QR codes that you can scan and it'll take you to the lab report. But couldn't somebody, uh, like somebody, our, could put, somebody could put Delta 9 in that package though? Quite, quite easily they could. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's the, we try to keep all our packaging sealed up. Like, so you if, can it's, tell, like, if it's well, sealed, it's then they couldn't opened. take it. But if it's been open, they could say, we don't know what's in this. And they yeah. could technically take I know when I bought CBD bud, which isn't even doesn't even get you high at all. It was just CBD hemp bud or hemp flower. I bought that and they told me they were like, this is legal. However, if you get pulled over with this, 
they can arrest you for it and you'll have to you know, until they prove that it's not they can take you to jail just because because you could put anything in there so so basically take it home and leave it there that's what they, they told could. me uh, what they are running into though is like they're finding out is that most of the people that they're pulling over and getting this delta 8 and cbd from it is what they're saying it is and they're having to let them go without and they're wasting minds. a lot of money spending thousands of dollars on those tests they got to send them off to raleigh it's got to be a a state approved laboratory test and everything like that. So yeah, they are wasting a lot of money on it. Yeah, which well, is just, just, just throwing up the, the ball for legalization even more. Like just legalize it. You won't have to do this. Yeah. Well, and the thing that sucks is that the, the federal government, because a lot of the, these small time uh, law enforcement places, they didn't care about, they never cared about somebody getting high, but the federal government under Reagan says, how about we give you a cash uh, incentive, $150 for every drug arrest you make. And all of a sudden they were like, done. We now do care yeah. about people smoking pot. Oh, and, and not only that, you know what, if you happen to find nice cars or a lot of money or anything like that, we'll let you keep that and put it into your police force too. Oh yeah. That's the huge yeah. thing. And that was, I think Clinton actually did a lot of the, those laws where you, uh, it might've been Reagan also. I get confused. I do. Anyway, point is they can, if you're driving and you have $10,000 cash on you, well, let's use a better example. Let's say you have $4,000 cash because that's a, enough money for them to take that the, paying a lawyer to get it back might not even be worth it because it's only $4,000. Yeah. So especially if you're an, if you're an illegal immigrant and you have $4,000, they can go, we think this is drug money. So we're going to go ahead and take this. If you can prove it's not, you can get it back, but you have to prove it. And the, it's on you to prove it. It's not on us to prove it's drug money. It's on you to prove it's not. And the legal immigrant goes, well, I'm not even legal here. I guess they have, I guess that's their money now. And they yeah. do that all the time. And it's absolutely. A lot of times, I mean, you see, um, uh, it was, uh, oh God, what was the series I was watching? Crooked cops or when cops go bad or something like that. Cops go it was bad, uh, yeah. specifically looking into that exact thing. They had this, this task force that basically what they were doing was going out and seizing all the drugs and money from dealers and things like that and just leaving and saying, yeah, if you want your stuff back, just come to the police force. We'll give it back. You know, come on downtown. We'll give it all back to you. Yeah. But they would go, they go in like that. this one, they knew that this dude had like $700,000 of drug money in the hotel. So they sent one of their agents in there earlier before this thing, he robbed the bag of like $120,000. So when they went and did the sting, there was only, you know, 580,000 in the bag and everything like that. But nobody, no one knew that, that oh man, it's so crazy. It's yeah. crazy. It's, and it's, a lot of times they was robbing dealers and taking, taking the drugs and turning around, selling them back to other dealers. Yep. I mean, the, the corruptions is, well, anytime you have an illegal market, you're going to see corruption on both sides. And also you have incentive to keep the drug war going, not just from the cops who are like, we don't want to legalize. We're making bank on this, but also you have the criminals that are like, we don't want you to legalize. We're making bank on this. So both <laughs> yeah. forces that are going against each other, both have incentive to keep it, keep it going. It's almost like a, uh, we funded a game of cops and robbers and neither side wants to stop playing the game. Cause they're like, Oh, we love yeah. this game. Yeah, it's all, the ones, all the ones that really, really benefit from the legalization is the addicts. They're like, I just need this all the time. And I don't yeah. need to have to wait for buddy to re up. Yeah, and, and risk, risk getting something point. that's going to kill me. I mean, yeah. it's really fucking sad the way that we are handling this, and or let's just say the way that we're not handling this problem. That's the thing. We're we're all right. So anyway, we're going to get off here because we're going to go watch a football game. Uh, you're going to go so see the Panthers. Um, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll win. Let's put out that, that energy for for our team that started three and zero. It was I'm a great to start. Put my jersey on. Did you see Do Cam's it. press conference? No, I didn't. Before? It was good. It was good. He looks different. Yeah. He seems, he seems like he's ready to work. Well, I, I, I got to say, I miss we'll him. See. Um, oh, let me see your Woo Bird tattoo. 
Alicia told me, yes, I didn't see that. I didn't see that when we was in there. No, I got, I got said, it for, Aaron got um, a Moobird tattoo on his hand. I said, yeah. She said he got it for the ruckus. <laughs> I did. It was because Hurricane Irma was coming. I was like, bring the ruckus. That's my motto for this hurricane. I was going through a divorce. Everything was just going crazy. I was like, I had to go stay at this hotel for a week as the hurricane came in. And I was like, bring the ruckus. That's the, that, that's my motto. And that was my that's song. Awesome. All right, man. When we get off here, I love you. We're going to do that 420 thing. I'll be in touch with yes, you about that. I'll do. Hopefully we'll have a good couple podcast before then too, man. Like I said, I'm down with that. We'll do this whenever. Yeah, for sure. All right, bro. Well, I love you, man. Go right. Panthers. Go Panthers. All right, peace out. Later, bro. Later. Thanks for listening to the Peace on Drugs podcast. Hope you enjoyed that episode with my good friend David Buckley. Next week, tune in for the Thanksgiving special. I did a podcast with my mom in the living room, one of the houses I grew up in, in North Carolina. And for the first time, I sat with her face to face and was honest honest about my childhood drug use and the kind of the different things that happened behind the scenes that she may have been unaware of. I opened up about all these things. We had a great conversation, but I figured out what better podcast for Thanksgiving than one with my mom next week's MomCast. Until then, peace Peace out. out.